All righty, it is that time in the week you all look forward to. It is the time we bring in our friend Tom Korski over at Black Locks Reporter. He is the managing editor and digs up all the dirt that no one else gets. And boy, oh boy, Tom, there is uh, quite a bit of it. I want to start with the latest development because this one to me is so politically stinky. I need you to clarify this for me. So the conservatives are being absolutely hammered over this vaccine mandate um, in the media, you know, because they're saying that they will not support a virtual parliamentary proceeding, but also they will not support this vaccine mandate, uh, which was voted on last night, not by parliament, not by the House, but by a panel uh, committee um, that basically said, as I understand it, you have to get vaccinated, but you can also get a test, which I'm thinking, okay, that sounds a lot like what Aaron O'Toole ran on. So clarify to me what has happened and why, you know, the reporting that, you know, the conservatives are going to die on this hill. But what is the clarification here? Well, you're exactly correct, Alex. Vaccine mandate, the operative word there is mandate. The root is mandatory. That's compulsory. That means you have to get a vaccine if you're a member of parliament to do your job to attend the House of Commons and take your seat right there on the floor of the House of Commons, right there for your constituents. Mm -hmm. That's not what the order says. The order says uh, you should be vaccinated, but if you're not vaccinated, all you need is a negative COVID test. Well, this is exactly what Canada Post worked out with the Postal Workers Union. This is exactly the compromise. Of course, you cannot refuse an MP their seat for any reason. You cannot do it in secret committee hearings. What's my point here, Alex? We've gone through this before. We went through this with the Prime Minister's office in the election campaign and back on October 6th when they started laying down fake ultimatums on vaccination. Mm -hmm. All you need is a negative test, which means, oh, wow, I don't have to get vaccinated which means it's not mandatory. I, don't, I can't explain why some of my friends in the press gallery do not understand what compulsory means. This is not a compulsory order. But in their defense, this was deliberately confusing. They like to scare people. And that's what the speaker did. Right, because the narrative now is that the conservatives are against the vaccine mandate and they will fight against it, which then gets argued, why are they going to die on this hill and why would they not go along with these vaccine mandates? And so, you know, it's all in the fine print, but that's what the the narrative is and is going to be, I think, for some time. It's such a ridiculous narrative as well, Alex. Like, I don't know why we wound up going down this rabbit hole on witch hunts and scapegoating people who aren't vaccinated when the overwhelming majority of Canadians are vaccinated. And there Mm -hmm. are countries in the world, one is Taiwan, that has, the last time I looked, a vaccination rate that's a fraction of Canada's, was less than half, and has a fraction of our COVID death rate. A fraction. Why don't we look at what other countries did successfully? Instead, we imported, I'm sorry to say, a lot of this was the blue-red political dysfunction out of the United States. And we're going to scapegoat our way out of pandemic mismanagement because apparently it's all the Christian scientists' fault, right? It's all the Dutch Reformed Churches' fault. Anyone who's opposed to or declines a medical procedure, it's all their fault, Alex. And uh, don't get me started. 
Yeah, well, nonetheless, um, that is the clarification because it is, uh, <laughs> it's gotten very needlessly political, but I guess, yeah, you got to read the fine print on this. But on the other side of this, the Liberals are also, um, you know, Pablo Rodriguez out there saying, look, virtual, um, you know, Parliament worked very well for us. Um, well, yeah, it worked very well for, for them because they couldn't be scrutinized on anything and they could run the clock out and, and filibuster like they did the last time. But the Conservatives are saying, absolutely, will we not condone a virtual sitting, which they shouldn't. We shouldn't be allowing any politician not to go to work if they are either vaccinated or they can take a test. Yeah, but, and, and let the festivities begin. I mean, it's going to be the 44th Parliament, right? If, if you can't mm. agree on, on who's yeah. getting which parking spot, good luck passing a budget, right? Yeah. <laughs> and that's where we are. It is, uh, but nonetheless, you know, it's all about optics, and people will say, well, you know, the Conservatives, they're not vaccinated, therefore we have to have the virtual hearings. You know that this is going to turn into this, and if there ever was a time that we needed scrutiny and proper parliamentary sittings, it is now. I, I agree with that. I think most Canadians have that expectation. You know, I don't see, I, I'm legitimately baffled, I don't understand what political advantage anyone would see in this mm. constant stirring of the pot. I'm legitimately baffled by it. I don't know why they don't comprehend there will be long-lasting, far-reaching effects that are all bad. Nothing good comes from this. Nothing. Well, you're right, uh, but it's all about the power grab now. And so we are only thinking of the now, not really worrying about the precedents being set for down the road, which could be abused by the next party in control, whomever that might be. Let us dive into the CMHC, because this is a very big, big story. But um, they were caught, and you guys reveal, a data scoop comply, uh, uh, that involved personal financial records of nearly 9 million mortgage holders. And data, uh, this was all obtained without any informed consent by borrowers, and the information they got was stuff like personal income, municipal addresses, credit scores, household debt, even for homeowners, not CMHC customizers. I mean, this is data mining by one of the largest federal agencies, and they didn't even think they needed permission to do this because, of course, they were doing it in the name of research. And they didn't even ask the privacy commissioner, which makes you wonder why we even have one. Uh, mm. I agree with you. This is the biggest data scoop that we've ever seen by a federal agency. Essentially, there's a, an obscure office called the Superintendent of Financial Institutions. He is there to ensure that the banks don't fail. And they collect under the Bank Act all this information on loans, which they do for regulatory purposes, and that sits in their filing cabinets. And CMHC looked at that and said, uh, we'd love to get a piece of that action. And they arranged, without parliamentary oversight, without permission of any MP or Senate committee, they arranged to have that data transferred over, and they have done so for three years. This is almost 9 million homeowners. These are not CMHC customers. If you own a home and you have had a mortgage since 2015, you're in their database. Congratulations. No, CMHC did not ask you. We went mm -hmm. through this with the Privacy Commissioner on Stats Canada two years ago, Alex. And the, the Privacy Commissioner, who is not a go-getter, Danny Tarion is his name, even he said, you know what? When you don't ask people's permission, and you're the big machine, that's the government of Canada, all mm -hmm. you do is erode trust. All you have to do is ask informed consent. That's my information. CMHC doesn't get it.
Well, they don't, but as you have already reported, um, you know, they have been kind of way outside the lines in what their role is. They have been performing as activists, trying to figure out ways of getting people, private homeowners, to, you know, rent their space out to people who don't have homes. I mean, they're way over their skis in what their agenda is supposed to be. Between the Bank of Canada and CMHC, it just seems that the two kind of big uh, crown corps are very, very, very political. When they should oh, not be. Uh, no, there's no doubt. There. You, you wonder about lack of parliamentary oversight, but I, I want to say something interesting. You remind me of it, Alex, on privacy. You know, when the federal agencies do in-house research, polling on privacy yeah. matters, they find Canadians <laughs> say over and over their leading concern is not Pepsi Cola because all Pepsi Cola wants to do on Facebook is sell me a soda. Their mm-hmm. concern is the government of Canada, the number one data hog around tax information, health information, now vaccine information. They want it. They want to sit on it. They want to sell it in some cases. They are insatiable when it comes to their obsession with personal information about 38 million Canadians. They can't help themselves. And Canadians know it. Number one threat to privacy, Government of Canada. Yeah, because the census, the long-form census isn't enough. Uh, But just quickly, Tom, before I let you go, so what's the consequence, or will there be one? Well, we're going to have to follow up, but 44th Parliament, this is after we get over these, these fake fights. Over, over, you know, what <laughs> Speaker Rhoda's news release means. They're, they're going to get down to business really, really quickly, Alex. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and this is one of the matters of business. This has, has parliamentary committee hearings written all over. If this isn't a privacy matter, then nothing mm-hmm. is. And I mean, let's just save money on the privacy commissioner's office and shut it down. Yeah, per- perfect. No problem there. All right. Stay tuned, as we say in the business. Uh, Tom, always a pleasure. Thank you very much. We'll talk again. Thanks, Alex. That is Tom Korski, managing editor over at Black Locks Reporter. It is, of course, subscription-based, but if you uh, don't get it, you can always tune on Monday and Wednesday at 9 because we get all the goods from Tom, and uh, boy, do they get the goods. When we come back, Sunday is the day COVID support programs come to an end, and no news yet if they'll be extended. We expect they will, but the question becomes, should they? You know, should we really be keeping people on things like a wage subsidy if there are lots of jobs available and because of the unintended consequences these packages are having on our labor market? We will talk to someone who says, Serb's got to go after this. Stay with us. Alex Pearson on Point. This is Global News Radio.